0: All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Rotoballer. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix, with player news, and cutting-edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Rotoballer's 2020 MLB Draft Kit is already live. Rotoballer's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type, I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, Roto, AL only, NL only. You name it, they've got it. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, Roto, dynasty, AL or NL only. You name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15. Those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash basesloaded to sign up for your premium pass today so you can dominate your leagues tomorrow.
1: Bases loaded, and one out. Oh, On my Central, God. Deep to right field. Wow.
0: Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today I'm joined by another one of SP Streamer's guys. Well, he's also one of Ray Butler's guys over at Prospect 365. It's, well, gosh, I can't even think of how to say it. It's Corey Ott. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey5Ott. That's C O R Y, the number five O T T. Corey, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, man. What's going on?
1: Thank you very much for having me, Mike. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. I'm doing well.
0: A little behind-the-scenes thing. We were just got done talking for like 30 minutes before pressing play. Um, so we, we covered a lot of this information. We get to talk about it again a little more in depth. But uh, I know you're, you've been a busy man. You're finishing up school. And besides that, though, man, how have you been handling this crazy long hiatus and break of no anything right now?
1: Yeah, and uh, – Honestly, it hasn't been too filled with um, baseball material, unfortunately. Uh, Like you said, finishing up school, finishing up my master's thesis, that's taken up the better part of the last two years of my life. I just actually got a new job offer as a GIS GIS analyst uh, for a geoengineering firm here in the town that I live. So that's really cool to finally get a permanent job uh, after all the hard work I've been putting in school. Um, but other than that, I mean, just spending the time with my fiance. Uh, I've got two cats, and so you know, passing as much time as I can uh, in the house while we're under these quarantine um, restrictions currently. But um, yeah, that's about what I've been doing, and getting excited for this new MLB Remix League that oh yeah we started up
0: yeah and again um i'm gonna be straight up honest this podcast will be released quite a few days after it's been recorded so yeah we we're doing an ootp uh baseball league oh it's like a fancy baseball league but simulated because yeah. i keep saying this every po- podcast because why not what yeah. else are we gonna do so content will come one way or another from this but um ootp was cool enough to sponsor it essentially because i know matt has some he knows people in high places and he took care of it. So Matt's doing a great job over there. He's at the turn two podcast and they're, they're getting their way through that uh, little tournament pretty well so far. You know, they're going to the sweet 16. So um, we'll see what happens there. Good luck to them. But this isn't about them. This is about you, Corey. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know you mentioned you haven't been cranking out content as much as you'd like. That's yeah. going to change. You've mentioned you, school really is the most important thing. I don't need to talk to you like you're a kid. You get that. You're gonna <laughs> a thesis paper. That is yep. like a, for for like for fantasy terms, that's like a five thousand r- word article, okay? Like, <laughs> in all reality, it's a lot more. But seven. you get my point. <laughs> yeah, seven. there you go. <laughs> yeah, but um, you, dude, you do some quality work, man. So in general, though, I know you're relatively new to the industry as a whole. How it's only been it's been a few months, and you've grown a good amount, at least from what I've seen. Because again, I've kind of follow, I've been following you and seeing you put out work for quite a few. You know, again, SP Streamer and I. Built this decent relationship. So I know a lot, you know, I've been following a lot of his writers and stuff, and you've really been on a pretty much an upward trend since. Um, how did you get started with Mike and how did you get on with Ray over at Prospect Sixty Five? Tell me your story, man. Tell everybody your story, not just me. Yeah.
1: yeah so um, I'd say I started to get more heavily uh, involved with fantasy baseball over the past couple of years getting into some home leagues with some, some college roommates and uh, they were really into it. And then that kind of set me off um, from the beginning. And I just haven't, haven't stopped since um, been kind of trying to evolve what I've been able to do um, and getting my start with Mike was, was great. Um, I was actually just producing solo content um, here and there, just some tweets here and there uh, making some lists and some leaderboards. And then Mike uh, SP streamer, reached out to me, um, and, and had saw one of my previous tweets where I, you know, I was just kind of, I was kind of saying that I wanted to, to be a fantasy analyst someday. I wanted to write about baseball, uh, for someone. And, um, he reached out, saw that tweet and, um, you know, asked me to kind of come aboard and, um, and start writing for him for the SP streamer platform. And so that's how I got started, um, with Michael, uh, over at SP streamer. And then, uh, yeah, I've really I've kind of only dabbled in the the deep dives over at SB Streamer right now. I have one on Pablo Lopez. I've got one on Ryan Yarbrough. Um and that's again the limited content due to the kind of the life situation that I've been in for the last couple of years, but I hope to keep producing. Uh,
0: the good stuff dives. about that. Oh, sorry to interrupt. The good stuff about the deep dives is those age well. So people can go back and read those and the the content still applies because baseball hasn't been played yet so unfortunately even though that's you know we wish baseball was being played because it hasn't been played your stuff still is very much relevant but beyond that and since since, you know you start with mike which by the way is really funny because mike i don't think mike's ever really mentioned to people but i'm like i actually (laughs) when i started this i I started from like nothing i found a site that actually just asked me to do anything like hey we just want baseball content kind of same thing as you like i just was like i have no experience let's see what happens It went from one thing to another. This guy, uh, his name was Blake Sullivan. He was actually a football guy. He actually has his own site too, the FSGN. Kind of started, and when I was there, I was was only baseball like content producer. So I almost took over as like like a team leader. I I brought on other people, other people I met through the podcast. And Mike was a guy I kind of just ran into on Twitter a little bit. Brought him on the FSGN. I don't think he ever produced a single thing before leaving.
1: uh, (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Knowing Mike, but knowing Mike, I think it was because he was writing for himself already, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So he always had aspirations of having his own thing. So it's just funny because it's like Mike, what I did with Mike seeing, I think he's I think I saw that he was interested in writing as well, kind of thing. So I did the same thing he did. Difference yeah. is is, you know, he's obviously gone, you know. It's been that's why me and Mike, I think, have this rapport because we've been grinding it for the last year pretty or a little over a year now, pretty yeah. much on similar, like with similar mindsets. And I just wish I keep telling me, I want to make this like Call what you want i guess a love child i want to bring <laughs> us all together into one main thing man but hey I, I, it's, it's just not lining up and I think, it would, I think it would really work out but that's just me i, yeah. I keep trying mike mike's not get mike's kind of not that mike's against it but it's just not good timing and uh this is me yeah. shooting my shots to the public people know hey based low network sp streamer we are you know we do you know we work together all the time i have you yeah. on i had ish i i have mike mike's a co-host like pretty much regularly Obviously, it's it's a great working relationship we have. It's just I would like to bring it all together one day. So maybe that could be something in the future. Maybe a five year plan. You know those yeah. things, exist, right?
1: Yes, yeah, uh, so. absolutely. And thank you. Yeah, thank you again so much for having me Dude, on. It's um, my pleasure. Increasing the collaboration between SV Streamer and, and Bases Loaded. I appreciate that and Prospects three sixty five now.
0: Well, yeah, Ray, Ray and I. I mean, I've been really busy, but I got Ray to finally like. I kind of, not that I set him up by any means, but, you know, I kind of got, I got the ball rolling. I was like, hey, I reached out to him to start a podcast because Ray has such, you know, he's such a smart dude and has a lot of great information to get out there. And I was like, we got to get your, you got to get your your voice, you got to get your voice heard. So we finally did. But since the quarantine, he's one of the ones that have had all the extra downtime as a teacher, I believe he does full time. So he's had all this extra downtime. He's taking advantage of it and he's having, you know, he's hosting it now and. He's learned to edit, and he's kind of taking those steps that I'm so grateful he did because my goal was to, at the very end of the day, if I couldn't do it for him anymore, he now has his own setup and ready to go. And Ray will forever be Prospect Three Sixty Five Podcast, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So regardless of yeah. how it works out, with regardless of how I mean, Ray and I still collaborate and still do a pod for him, but just not as frequently as I'd like because timing is tough, man. But yeah. speaking of Ray, speaking of Ray and the great work he's doing over there, again. You've been picked up at Prospect three sixty five How did that happen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that I mean a lot of I, I would say this opportunity definitely came in tandem with getting that primary opportunity from Michael um to write for SP streamer. I mean being able uh, Michael giving me that opportunity to start you know my career kind of in the the fantasy baseball community um that was everything um that's that's what I needed to to leverage the the content that I produce. Um, To get me into, um, you know, an even an even greater opportunity um, to hop on the Prospects 365 team with Ray Butler, Um, obviously a very high profile team. um, And I'm very proud to be a part of it. Um, But, yeah, Ray was just Ray was reaching out uh, for applicants. This was and I saw his tweet probably within 10 minutes of when he published it. Um, looking for looking for writers for prospects 365 and I applied immediately uh, went on there applied and uh, filled out the Google forms and basically he kind of he contacted me uh, within a day of applying and uh, It was a really good feeling to to have someone you know to be to be wanted by someone that runs such a great uh, platform as Ray does and so um, I was fortunate enough to to be uh, brought on to the Prospect's 365 team. It um, was through the roof about that. Just an amazing opportunity to keep advancing my career, um, and have made one debut article appearance over there um, to date, and hopefully plenty more to come in the coming months.
0: Now, obviously, we're going to touch on that article because I found it very intriguing, and I want to hear. I want to hear, I want to hear the man behind the pen break it down maybe a way that it's you know because even though you can read it and it's put, and it was put well into words uh, it was put into words well um <laughs> you you can see the look on my face people can't but you saw i was like wait that didn't sound right so even though you put it you know you put i can't even say it now you did well on it my point is though sometimes you know being able to hear the man explain it helps re- maybe readers understand it a little better so we're gonna get to that shortly but i'm curious now your background dealing with data analysis and all of that. How has that benefited you as far as being an analyst? How is that, that transition had to be almost seamless, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, luckily, I have been able to, to fairly easily transition my, my skill set from what I've learned academically and professionally um, through my career working in the natural resource field. Uh, working in the earth science field, I do a lot with statistical modeling, um, even more so with spatial modeling. That's, that's what I do uh, for a living is geospatial modeling. Um, and so that kind of transitioned me really nicely uh, into baseball. And that's, I mean, baseball has been a part of my life since, you know, since I could first walk. I've I played all throughout high school. I played um, through college, never got to go up to the next level. So I'm, I'm working on that getting there, you know, a different way using statistical analysis, jumping into the analytical world and applying skills that I already have now to, to baseball, to the ideologies behind baseball. Um, and I I have a lot of experience, um, you know, at participating in top prospect events as a player, um, you know, meeting players such as AJ puck and getting to play shortstop for, for a guy like that. And, um, You know, playing with some top-notch players that that went pretty high in the draft, um, I've been exposed to those elite environments. So I think that really helps me as an analyst um, be able to relate (laughs) statistics, you know, analytically um, inclined players with the players that may have more of a raw, you know, fit to them um, that can be refined. So being able to to recognize good fluid mechanics uh, on the field and being able to do the eye test as well as being able to perform. Statistical analyses and uh, complete player evaluations based on more numerics. Um, that's uh, that's kind of what I pride myself on is having that combination of physical and and digital skill set to me.
0: You you really piqued my interest. I didn't realize you had that um, type of background as a player, and you kind of well, and not because you play, which is awesome by the way, and you play shortstop. It sounds like so. I was going to ask. I obviously I don't know how long ago this was when you last played, but analytics are still relatively new. They've been around for a while, but they're still relatively new. Do you, I mean, how much do you wish you knew about the analytics back then? Like, you know, oh. this stuff wasn't, like, how much, that, that would have made you so much better as a player, I would assume. Oh, that, I, at, at the same time, though, would you have embraced them as much that you think you think you would have embraced them as much back then as you would have now, though?
1: Yeah, and I, I think yeah. I would have. Um, And, and you know, the only reason that I didn't is because it wasn't prevalent. Um, yeah, you know, it was drive line. Yeah. Program like driveline wasn't created then. Um, I graduated from college in 2017. So they were kind of starting to just make their mark, um, you know, on the player development world. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, smaller programs like where I played, like they weren't going to adopt uh, technology like that. It's all the top, you know, programs like UCLA, um, you know, the sec conference of Vanderbilt, especially with their pitching development. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I would have absolutely embraced it because being able to look at blast data, um, being able to look at your launch angle, uh, you know how you're slotting your hands, whether your hips are flying out, you know, before your hands are going through the zone, how long you're keeping the barrel through the zone. You know, I would l- have loved to know all of that information and that would have definitely helped me. I would have used it to help me uh, make myself better instead of relying on, you know, a series of coaches and, and their you know, unique kind of coaching strategies. Sometimes that doesn't always work for players. Too many opinions can be uh, detrimental.
0: Now, you mentioned quite a few different things that you would have probably looked into, maybe changed. As an analyst, now taking that, taking the new role on things, do you got any way to watch tape as much as you can on a player when you're deep, deep diving them? And if so, I guess the things you just mentioned are things you look for? Are there other things that you maybe look for? Because this is what I was talking about. I actually, uh, I went to first pitch Florida. I talked to Chris Blessing, Eric Cross. I talked to a lot of these guys there are, you know, prospectors and it it just, it was nice to pick their brains. So I'm kind of doing the same thing to you. Cause I think that when people say the eye test, it's such a blanket statement. Yeah. There's like the eye test is so much more than just looking at a player. You have to know what to look for. And I can tell you right now, I didn't play above high school. I really don't remember much of my coaching. This was like 15 years ago already almost. And um, <laughs> it's just, it just goes to show you, it's like one of those things that it's almost like that's why I, Pollock was another one. It was just it blows my mind because you talk to these guys and there's just depending on who you ask, the eye test is very different. So yeah. like I guess you mentioned a lot of things about as a hitter, but you write for SP Streamer. And I got to ask as a pitcher, what are some yeah. things? That, what are some things that you might look for in a pitcher as far as like tangibles or intangibles that we can't measure with the numbers?
1: Yeah, and that's that's something that I've just um, you know I've been exposed to over time, like I said, I've, um, you know, I've I've faced a lot of elite pitchers that have been drafted. I've played with a lot of them. I've played behind them. And um, it's just something that you pick up over time. You see enough of these elite, you know, raw, talented guys, um, you know, play in person, you watch their mechanics, you learn from, um, you know, some of the some of the best in the game. And you put that away in your pocket for later. And you keep, Moving on, um, and and watching more and more players, and so as you kind of move throughout your career, you are able to identify, you know, all oh, those mechanics maybe don't look so smooth, or this guy has got the mechanics, and he might just not have, you know, the the body type, you know, stuff behind yeah. it right now. So it's um, projectability is a huge thing, and being able to look at like a pitcher like Asa Lacy, you know. Um, he's absolutely, you know, he's big, he's like six, six or something like that. You want a projectable pitcher typically, um, for the upside, you want to look at them four years down the road, um, and, and basically project out what you, what you think their body style look like and, um, how their mechanics will change if muscle mass is added. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been a lot of experience over time, uh, just playing baseball just almost every single day of my life for you know 10 10 or more years so basically,
0: basically it's something that unless you go to a scouting school it's essentially something you can't really it's hard to teach it's hard to learn on your own you it can is. watch a lot of, you can watch a lot of tape and if you watch the right people you'll learn a lot of things like i was i think it was eddie Almaguer from prospects live or was it i think it was him that i was sitting with at the um i'm, I'm terrible names i hate to say that i hate to be like that <laughs> but uh he was talking about we, we saw matt manning pitch for just an inning at the um at the spring training game we went to, yeah. first pitch, and they were talking about how he swayed towards first base on um, on his delivery and stuff like that. I was like, and we we, we were sitting almost open face, so it was even it was kind of hard to see that. But they know what to look for. That's something, you know, something I as an average fan and so somebody who's into the analytics and all that. But I the numbers give me things. I you know yeah. you can, these days, you, I mean, I, you can see arm slot from from the from the data it's crazy you can get a lot of information but there's a lot of little things you can't see and I think it's kind of cool having that background and very useful very underrated to have a true like at least a true belief in your eye test because we can all look at we can all watch the same game and we can see five six seven different things and it's kind of cool that it's again it's experience that you have I mean I'm just like I don't know I can talk about this all night I don't want to harp on it it's just so much fun to me I find this so intriguing because I ask everybody who has this knowledge base, the skill set. I call it a skill set because it's something I just can't obtain as easily. So I, I always ask, how can I get better? But like you said, literally, unless I'm watching games every night and just mm-hmm. learning just learning what to look for and seeing, maybe watch the elite pitchers, see what they do, and look at the non-elite guys and tell the difference. Like, oh, well, this guy can repeat his mechanics really well. This guy yeah. has a fluid motion. This guy is not – like like we all know Clevenger has such an aggressive motion. Like injuries not, shouldn't surprise people just because mm-hmm. of how he – cuz he pitches the way he pitches but then you look at someone like Kershaw it's smooth and but at the same time I can see how he strains his back on his on his delivery at the same time yeah. so I can see why the back injuries are there and it's just it's yeah. just one of those things that's like again th- those are basic but that's because I I kind of know what to look for but it's just really cool to hear somebody former player doesn't matter what your background is somebody that just knows what to look for I could t- I could pick a brain all night about that. I won't do that to you because man, th- this would be like a five hour podcast, and the only, <laughs> people that, the only people that are going to enjoy it are me and you talking
1: about it. <laughs> yeah, that's so, okay. It's just yeah, it is. It's really just cool. important to highlight that idea that you know picking up on the tangibles, being able to watch film, and um, it is important. It's an important skill to be able to incorporate into your analysis because you can look at statistics, you can look at numbers all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some guys I'm just simply out on because I don't. I like how they swing or I don't like, you know, how their pitching mechanics. I don't like they're not fluid. They don't look like they're comfortable or in command, um, you know, when they're playing the game. And so certain things like that, I mean, their statistics can jump out to other people, but I might simply be out on them just because of that eye test, because of what I've seen um, throughout have my experiences. You, so
0: have you ever looked at a player, cold streak, the numbers look terrible on paper, even be going watch them. And you see, there's maybe, maybe you look at me like something doesn't look right. You go back and you see there's like maybe a hitch in his swing or his timing's off or he just doesn't look comfortable because his swing is off. Yeah. Something, something you can't put into the numbers necessarily because remember if you're looking at the numbers and everything says it's bad, most people are going to be like, Oh, I got to sell. That's a great, that's something that maybe you can see that the average person won't know to look for. Yeah. that you can be like, hey, this is what I see. You should probably buy low because of this. You don't have numbers, but you have the eye test that the average person doesn't have. So it gives you an advantage as an analyst. And I think again, that's just something I want to harp on. I want people to understand that they're listening, why they should follow you beyond just how smart you are and you know your numbers. You could provide that eye test and that that educated opinion on something that a lot of people can't. I think it's very valuable and it's awesome that you can do that. So again, I'm learning a lot talking to you tonight. I this and I tell people this all the time man when I do these podcasts it's an interview style podcast mm-hmm. but I learn so much from people whether it be just about their background like this or about Oh, a different way to look at players and this information to me is very invaluable. So at the very least, you have one person you made a great impression on. <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Well, I'm glad. <laughs>
0: Thank it, you. It, it, no problem, it's it's um, I don't mean to just kiss your butt, man, but it's actually I just really like I said, I really enjoy this. I hope the listeners can get the same enjoyment out of it because you can see a smile on my face. I'm like legitimately like, oh my god, this is fun. <laughs> um I love talking baseball because I can I feel like right now I can learn so much from you. And I, I think one day I'm gonna bother you to come on here. We're gonna just gonna talk baseball because I just want to pick your brain so much more. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's get back so to you- that. Co- yeah, well, definitely, dude. I'm gonna bother you all the time. You have no, you have no idea. You think I'm joking? <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna hate me. As far as your work, going back now, full circle back to your work with Prospect 365, now to go from the tangible side of things as far as you know, your eye test and all that, you did a stat cast search series. Essentially, what you did is you broke down the relationship between swing and miss percentage and expected batting average. Go uh, Exactly what made you want to do this? What did you find when you looked into this? And kind of like how sticky was the data? I know you kind of covered all in the article. I figured a broad, like you said, giving it a broad stroke might give it, the readers an idea of, a little bit of a background prior to diving in deeper
1: yeah i'll give a i'll give a pretty basic um premise to to the article and it um yeah so stat cast search series it's kind of a series that i that i wanted to start um, with prospects 365 my next article might not fall into that series um but there will be one soon but yeah the swing and miss and expected batting average um i just wanted to Look a little further into um, an expected metric, and I honestly XBA was just the first one that I, I kind of grabbed out of the bag. Um, and so you can go on to Statcast search, and obviously, you, I mean the possibilities are are endless um, for your for your search parameters. And so I just you know I started to look at uh, I think a minimum pitchers with a minimum of a thousand pitches uh, throughout a season, and I did this analysis for twenty. I think 16 through 2019 um, just to get kind of a three year stickiness factor there. Um, and it was pretty good. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was over 60% from year to year uh, or a, a 0.6 R squared, I should say. Um, so a correlation factor. Um, but yeah, so I was just kind of playing around and swinging and miss percentage. 6.1 by the way. Okay. <laughs> I just
0: <laughs> you were right. I said a time. Like I was like, I, I'm like, come on. Let's see. It. Oh yeah, it's point six one. Yeah, you were right. Just, just checking it out. Just checking yeah. The facts.
1: Yeah. Right. And so any you know any type of correlation between metrics uh, in the baseball realm that that is over you know fifty percent, sixty percent is getting pretty strong. Um, but that's that's something that you can hang your hat on and and acknowledge that there is a a relationship, a viable relationship between swing and miss percentage. Um, and XBA for a pitcher. And that's to be clear about this. This is for for pitchers. And I haven't really looked much into how this would correlate um, for hitters looking at maybe their swinging strike percentage. Uh, but this is strictly for pitchers. So, yeah. So I found that, you know, initial relationship uh, and uh, averaged it out to point six one. Um, and it just you know, it's, it's a relationship that inherently makes sense to people that have been around baseball or, or know baseball. Um, or the inter- you know, the intricacies that drive baseball is if a pitcher induces more swings and misses, um, throughout a season, you would expect to see a decline in their expected batting average from year to year. Um, that just, you know, that's just a common sense kind of claim, um, that I wanted to confirm and further, further validate and, and quantify Via this analysis, and so I was able, you know, to put an actual, you know, a quantification, a correlation value on these two metrics, um, and kind of uh, confirm a relationship that we've we've all talked about, you know, at one point in time and know about and recognize in the game of baseball. You know, simply increasing swing and misses should decrease the expected batting average that a pitcher gives up. Well, I was just looking to quantify that um, and kind of bring it full circle. and and look at the leaderboards and another facet of it was breaking it down into its partials so that was something that i was very interested in as well so looking at the relationship between uh, o swing miss so out of zone swing and miss percentage and uh, z swing so in zone swing and xba and so i was able to kind of break those down and look and i wanted to see which one was more valuable essentially and z swing and miss so in zone swing and miss rates uh, had a higher correlation, and that can be seen in the article. Uh, had a higher correlation with xBA than O swing percentage O swing and miss percentage did. So it can be argued that maybe when you're analyzing pitchers and you're looking for year to year jumps in performance improvements, um, looking at pitchers that are gaining, uh, you know, uh, they're increasing their rates of in zone swing and miss percentage. Um, o-, o swing is obviously still good. You want pitchers to be getting swing and misses no matter how they're doing it um, but looking at pitchers who get higher rates of in zone swing and in- zone swings and misses that could potentially be more val- valuable going forward when assessing their xBA uh, for that year or the following season and so xBA um, you know it's important because as fantasy players we uh, when you play in draft and roto leagues batting average is one of the metrics that um, that is, you know, is an underlying factor driving, you know, everything else that is being assessed for pitcher performance. And so knowing that whether a pitcher should be expected to give up a lower or higher batting average based on their swing and miss percentage gains or losses from season to season could be, could potentially be a very important, um, assessment tool for, for managers going forward.
0: Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And again, if you want to find this article, it is pinned on Corey's Twitter page. So again, here comes this shameless plug, buddy. You find it. You can find his that said Twitter page at Corey Five O. Uh, C O R Y Five. The number five, five O T T. You go to that Twitter page. It's his pinned tweet. You can read anything about it and hit him up on Twitter. He'll gladly talk to you about it and it's amazing work he's doing and he's just he's just scraping scra- scraping scratching the surface <laughs> because he's about to finish his master's degree which opens up a lot of free time compared to what he's had so you're going to see a lot more coming from him so it's like getting in the ground floor of things man get in now so you can be there for the ride instead of catching <laughs> up and being like oh man I got to catch up on all these articles well no just get in now all <laughs> right <laughs> i'm doing i'm doing the plugging now before we get to the end anyway Um, (laughs) now you do the deep dives obviously you mentioned for uh, sp streamer and i know you're really into player analysis and all that but in order to do your own rankings in order to essentially get an idea of how much you like players because you know in a draft you can go upwards of what 700 players 750 players in a 15 team draft and hold (laughs) what is your way of going about player analysis maybe not because obviously doing a deep dive on every player would be preferable but it's pretty unlikely how, like, what are your go-to, like, if you do you have, like, a set of, like, minimum stats you like to look at, do you have sites you like to kind of peruse a little bit, get an idea of a player prior to truly breaking them down, like, pitch by pitch or, you know, certain, like, how they perform in certain counts or something like that, just yeah. your overall approach to player evaluation, I'm guessing, hitters, pitchers, whichever one you want to talk about. You love, you love both, so.
1: Yeah, yeah I'll just, I'll touch on a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. So, to start off, yeah, the the resources available to us to conduct these analyses are absolutely incredible. Um, and the fact that they're all you know free, like fan graphs we should all donate to because of the amazing work that they do over there. And if you have the time and the, the funds to potentially donate to them right now during these tough times, um, that is gladly appreciated from that entire team as I, as I um, can imagine. But so Baseball Savant, um, you know, created by Darren Willman, uh, fan graphs, Brooks baseball is an incredible resource, uh, for, for data-driven analyses, uh, max freezes, uh, statistical site, pitcher list, you know, SP streamer, uh, Mello charts. I mean, the list goes on there. There are so many good resources out there to be using, um, for advanced statistical analyses that, that can be conducted on your own, um, because these individuals have, uh, have kind of portrayed the data in a way for us to understand and to be able to visualize it and use it Mm -hmm. to our advantage. Um, And I just have to touch on the rankings thing. I, so I've just, I'm fairly new, um, you know, to the fantasy community uh, and to the industry. So I haven't personally gone through and created, you know, top to bottom, like top 100 uh, starting pitching ranks or, you know, Mm -hmm. top positional ranks. I haven't, physically gone through that process. So frustrating. Player. Yeah. And that's what I've heard. Like I, and it's, it's probably mostly due to the lack of time that I've had to put into, um, into baseball the last few months, but I'd love to give it a shot. But, um, so I've, I guess I've kind of done it on the fly for each individual yeah. draft. Um, and that's something also important to, to touch on is your preparation for each draft type, whether it be an auction, roto head to head points, head to head roto, um, you know, any type uh, your preparation is definitely going to be different um, for each one. So being able to identify which statistics or or series of statistics or websites, whatever resources you may be using, which whichever ones work best for each um, for each draft style. uh, That's, that's a very important discrepancy to kind of, figure out on your own um, over, you know, gain an experience over the years, uh, just drafting, drafting, drafting. And so, yeah, and and preparing for drafts, I would say, you know, like just, you know, mock as many times as you can um, and build theoretical teams around a three to five player core. And so you vary that core typically throughout, throughout those first three to five rounds. And that can typically dictate you know, who's going to be available for you later in the draft. So whichever core, um, you know, provides the greatest, you know, late round options, you know, in the draft, that's typically the core that I'm going to go for and, and stick with for, for a lot of my drafts. Um, But when it comes to analyzing or, you know, evaluating or analyzing um, pitchers, it's important, I guess, hitters too. It's important to obviously, have a wide array uh, of metrics that you're you're using. You don't want to just use one, but you also don't want to cloud your objective. You don't, you know, whether, whenever you're analyzing a player, you're typically looking for something. Um, you're looking for, where, are they striking out too much? Um, are they hitting the ball hard, but not getting on base? And so it depends on what you're looking at. Um, each statistic, you know, correlates to a different facet of a player's game. Obviously, um, every in-game situation, uh, usually yield some sort of t- statistics. So, knowing how each one affects um, each play and each result of uh, of every game, you know, every play that occurs, uh, that's an extremely important thing to know. Is just understanding what each statistic means down to its very definition. Uh, and going on to Fangraphs or Baseball Savant, MLB.com, those are really good resources for you to. To really learn and dive deep into what each metric uh, is defined by statistically.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of great. Like you said, the sites are huge. You just gotta know what to look for. And two things: one, you mentioned creating ranks. They are so <laughs> bittersweet. They are so bittersweet because if you are anything like me, which I'm, something tells me you will be, as far as being meticulous about them, yeah. I won't put. I won't put somebody on my rank. I won't. I have done this, and that's why I won't do it again. I've put somebody like a Brian Anderson on my ranks just to put him there. Oh, I know who he is. I'm just going to throw him at 35 at third base. Yeah. And by doing that, I glance over, I glance over to a lot of, you know, interesting information about him this year because there's a lot of growth in the profile and a different approach and everything. You can see across the plate discipline. And so what I learned to do is that and I won't put somebody on my top thirty now because I do positional rankings. I hate overall rankings. I do positional. I do top thirty across every infield position, top eighty off field, top one hundred starting pitchers. And I write a blurb about them. That was what. I, that was my idea for Fantrax. It was fun the first time around, but then having to update them was was really, really frustrating. But anyway, (laughs) um, the reason why they're bittersweet is because they allow you and almost force you to put your eyes on so many players you never thought you would. Like Chris Archer, I wouldn't have guessed he had a great second half or a good second half. Not great. I wouldn't have guessed he made the changes he made and stuff like that. Or Jordan Lyles. Like if you actually look at him, like, oh, his numbers were okay. But if you look at him month by month, there was a two-month span where you did really bad. If you go look at the pitch mix it lined up perfectly. He actually changed his pitch mix for those two months. He was trash. He he changed it back and ended the season solid. So he made yeah. my top 100 as a fringe top 100 guy. Not a lot of people have him top 100. <laughs> I do because, <clears> I, again, I, I saw these, I saw the cause for his, there was cause, that, you know, there was a relationship behind the change and stuff like that. So it's like, like I said, what it does is the pros is it makes you put your eyes on a lot of players you never thought you would. The cons are, you still miss people and the problem is you're gonna feel this sense of almost anxiety like okay who did i miss why did i miss them and then and then, and then on, or on, or then you get this like well art, it's you're, you're you're sitting there tearing your hair out over should Evan White be my top 25 like how much difference is there between number 25 and 35 and if you're really trying like you but to me the, the last five really matter like i really it, it, i cared so like i said it makes you a better analyst but it's so time consuming the con is just how time consuming it is but yeah. At the end of the day, if you, if you if you have the time, man. I guess they're it's like I said they're they're probably they're probably good for you to do, but it's just like I have a headache thinking about doing twenty twenty one or you know what I mean, like the or, yeah. or the idea or the idea of redoing. I have to update mine if you know if or when the season starts. I have to update my ranks, right? And to update them, I spent hours updating them just before the season was um delayed, so I have to spend hours re-updating them, man. And I bet They're it's sweet, an
1: absolute but, nightmare trying to adjust to, you know, half everything. the schedule of what you would typically have, or even if we get that, that and much you, of a schedule.
0: Yeah. And you know what crossed my mind today? And I, I don't know if anyone said this cause I've, I'm not gonna lie. I'm just like everybody else. I haven't been listening to his main podcast. I just got back into listening to him, but I'm wondering, cause you know how Alex fast is very against saves. Like don't draft saves basically. And there's two ways to look at it. Mike and I spoke on a podcast. It's, it's actually going to be out. Uh, Tomorrow, but not uh, you know the time's gonna be off by a few time people are listening. It'll be out by the time you listening for this. And um, we talked about closers and how elite closers might have more value because you know they have a role. There's no question about it. they're gonna get their they're gonna get the opportunities. Whereas maybe some of these mid range guys might won't have such a long leash anymore because there's less games. Every game matters. But if they if the double headers are a thing, you're looking at more pitchers getting saves than ever before because there's gonna yeah. be less availability of the closers. So is there more? reason this draft was mill relievers that might get you more wins and saves in the process. Like those, those fireman role types, the, the, the two, three inning guys, those guys gain a lot more value in theory. Yeah. Like, so it's like, like this, this is what I'm thinking about. I was doing the dishes and this is what crossed my mind tonight. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I haven't heard anybody mention that part, but I've heard, you know, I think I heard, you know, serious talk about mill relievers gaining, you know, wins, win potential on rates and barrels. But the right. idea of, you know, saves being even more devalued, because now there's just that much more of a potential to find saves off the waiver wire or off your second rate relief pitcher. Yeah. That wasn't something that wasn't something I considered until literally washing dishes tonight. So just, just things like that are go th- going through my head. I don't know why, why I'm even on that subject. I just felt like, I'm <laughs> it up, I think.
1: Yeah, no, but it, I mean, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what the starting pitchers, because I feel like there's going to be more, even more of a, you know, a, a tandemized approach using starting and relief pitching now because, and it's going to depend on each team's strengths, right? So, you know, teams that have starting pitchers that could typically go, you know, the full seven innings, you know, ones that are going to give you money starts, you know, the most of any other ones or quality starts, um, you know, those those are going to be the guys that are probably still going to go the full game. They're going to get complete games under their belts for throwing a seven inning game. And then every single guy in the bullpen is going to be, you know, left out. You're not, that's just a total save opportunity or relief opportunity um, blown. And so you're going to have to look at each team and how they're configured, which ones, you know, may have starters that could be projectable to go longer in games. And those bullpens will likely be at a detriment um, because of that. But, you know, teams like maybe the Rays or the Brewers, they could get away with, Pulling out, you know, multiple, uh, you know, pulling the opener strategy and and just playing the bullpen game, and then just saving everyone's arms like throughout the entire season, playing double headers, you know, all the time, um, guys won't get as tired if they're just throwing two to three innings at a time. Um, so there are multiple ways that teams could be approaching yeah. this change.
0: The team that came to mind instantly when you said the whole. Uh, qu- uh, qu- not quality start, well, quality start, yeah, but, like, complete games with the Nationals because you have your top three right there. You have your Scherzer, Corbin, and uh, Strasburg. Not necessarily in that order, obviously, but yeah. you have those three guys that can go complete games pretty much almost every time out. Yeah. More times, more times than not, anyway.
1: And, and so, a- in my opinion, that's going to be a decrease in saves for Doolittle. Mm-hmm. Just the off, Indians, too. Out of the gate. Like, that's, yep. Yeah. So, that's, that's the type of stuff that we got to start. Taking into account and looking at it is, um, you know, that how strong of a relationship is there between a, a team's starting pitching and relief pitching, and where do their strengths lie, weaknesses lie, and mm-hmm. those are going to be exposed in a shorter Definitely. season like this, without a
0: and, doubt. And like, and again, like the Indians came to mind too because we've seen Francona willing to throw his pitchers beyond you know 100 pitches, and you have a pretty strong core of starters there and a weaker uh, bullpen in hand. We still aren't sure if Hand is back to who he was, or if he was who he was at the end of last year. So, right, not of, you know, what I mean, when he lost it. So, before you get out of here, because we are pretty much wrapping this up, I yeah. think we have a. Few, I just wanted to get a couple players that we're still treating it as if there's a season, as, at least as, as of this recording. No news is broke otherwise. So, yeah. if the season were to start May, June, July, whatever, who are some players you are targeting or avoiding based on whatever reason, price, the like, your skill set, et cetera, et cetera. All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors.
1: and we're back. Yeah, so I'll just uh I'll give you two players that I am in on and two players that I'm out on. Um uh, <laughs> yeah, since I've been kind of I've, I've delved more into the pitching world um more so than the hitting kind of realm over time. I'll I'll talk about some more hitters here, but okay. so the first hitter I'm in on um, would be Avi Avicio Garcia uh, outfielder, in Milwaukee Brewers, and yeah, maybe a little bias being a Brewers fan. I'm really excited to see uh, what Avi can do there if he's given the playing time, and that's the key here for for Garcia is to receive the necessary amount of playing time for him to be able to fully project his skill set. Um, so he's been he's taking around he's been being taken around uh, pick 207 per NFBC and. I mean, he's being taken after – or picks that are being taken after him are guys like Senzel, McCutcheon. Mark Canha is maybe a guy I would take before him. uh, Shinsu Chu. Um, So I would take, you know, I would take take Garcia over all of those guys based on the upside. He has, you know, top 90 percentile speed. Um, He has the potential to steal 15 to 20-plus bases, hit 285-plus hit 25 home runs um, and have over 80 RBIs if he's given the plate appearances in Milwaukee. And that is one, one of the uh, issues with, with picking him um, for a player that I like this year is that if he's not given those plate appearances, then he may not reach that, that full potential um, that, that, I can, that I see from him um, and the natural speed that he, he projects is, could be a very dangerous tool. For him in the future and i just i'll i'll take him um at pick 207 over malik smith at pick 178 like you're getting oh, yeah. way more out of garcia than you'll ever get out of malik smith
0: um, I still i don't care about the need for speed man i still don't understand the smith the smith pick he wasn't even projected to hit top of the lineup like there's that's a whole that's a whole other tangent here don't get me started but you are but this is a very this is a very pro avisao garcia podcast so you mm-hmm. picked a good name you picked a very good name to bring to the podcast so we, okay. uh, who's, your, who's your next guy you're, you want to go in out you know what this is your segment do whatever you want man i'm here for you buddy i'm here to because what people don't know is i don't know these names i'm just reacting we'll see if i if i don't agree i'm afraid because if I don't agree, there's gonna be a. I better damn well be ready to argue my point. That's all. That's, so, uh, yeah,
1: no, that's that's fine. <laughs> if you disagree. That's the whole go point, this, right? <laughs> whole yeah. point is to have
0: fun and discuss baseball. So yeah, so far one for one, we agree. Who's yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so um, I'll go. Yeah, second hitter here that I like um, is Renato Nunez, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. So he's been going at around pick two seventy seven for the NFBC. Um, and I honestly, I own him everywhere this year. Um, he's fell into my lap in the mid to late rounds um, in just about every draft, and that really started with with TGFBI. Um, you know, the value is just great at the pick that he's going at. Um, he's optimized his his approach and his swing for Camden Yards. Um, I mean, he is just he's he's going to have a, a breakout year in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, whatever it may be. Um, just pulling the ball in the air a ton as a right-handed hitter in Camden Yards is going to lead to a ton of success. Um, He's underperforming his X stats um, as well, or not all of them, but a majority of them. Um, He's hitting the ball harder than he has in his career and more often than he has in his career. He does struggle against the breaking balls though. And that's kind of the biggest hole that I see in his game right now. Um, He has all of the tools to break out as a, as a massive, you know, a massive uh, power hitter, that's going to provide a great return at, at an ADP of 277. Um, and if he continues to improve against breaking balls, um, he can hit 250 plus against those. I mean, he's going to be a really scary power hitter if he's if he maintains the full full playing time in Baltimore.
0: Which there, other than Mount Castle, I don't yep. see any reason for that to be an issue. My only concern, again, is how that I'm, I don't – okay, I can't say I totally disagree. I'm just not as bought in. As his skill set, obviously, the power is there. I'm not down in the power. The batting average we know is an issue, but by then, hopefully, you built for that. If you're taking him, I would assume you built to absorb the batting average issues yeah. or potential batting exactly. average issues.
1: Exactly, but, and that's, that's part of it is roster construction. The way that I constructed my roster and selected my core in the first few rounds of, of almost every draft this, this season, he has – somehow fall onto me as my my first baseman uh for most teams and I'm okay with taking um the shot on him uh, as my as my first baseman at pick you know two seventy seven um for Is, what you yeah. potentially provide
0: i guess i was what i was getting at next was his stat cast data. You mentioned his x stats he underperformed most of or a lot of them if not most of them and that could that be a testament to his skill set just being so much of a pull hitter or a fly ball hitter that's gonna t- tend to lend itself to a underperformance because you know he's depending so much on the long ball with that you know with what he's you know with his skill set so to speak.
1: Yeah and that's true. And that's he's um, and that's where the discrepancies kind of lie, you know, with his Babip. Like the arguments people make the argument that his Babip is, you know, is low so his batting average is going to raise. And like I, I mean I hope for that, but that's not the case with power hitters. That's not the case with you know high fly ball you know pole hitter. Um, guys like him, they're going to naturally have low BABIPs because balls that go in the air um, result is hits a lot less often than balls that are hit on the ground. So um, I can I can definitely see um, that point that people make about Dunez um, and the case for his batted ball skill set um, kind of being, you know, providing that support for why he is underperforming his x stats um, But I just, it, and I guess it just comes down to where he's being drafted. So it's just no, there's value
0: there. I'm not arguing the value at all. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because it's like I can understand why he's underperforming, is all I'm basically saying. Not that, not that I don't, like I said, I don't mind. I think I have him as one of my draft champions leagues, so I'm not against drafting him. At his right. price, especially with first base kind of hitting a cliff after twelve, anyway. From like, yep. once you hit once you hit twelve, it's like this <laughs> big old glob, huge glob. So yeah. it's like, I totally get it, totally get preference. I'm just saying I'm playing devil's advocate here, trying to give reasoning as to why maybe I'm not as optimistic in yeah. the in the in the growth in the production.
1: Uh, that's that's totally understandable, and I understand where where everyone comes from um, with their concerns with Nunez, and he's just and he's one of those guys. How we were talking about before, um, just with the eye test watching film, like he's he's (laughs) very comfortable in the box to me. He seems like he goes up with a plan Um, and the improvements, the strides that he made in one year of getting full time, you know, full playing time uh, over 500 plate appearances. If he's going to get that same amount of time next year, I expect even larger strides and uh, for him to provide, you know, sneaky value at, at where he's been going.
0: No, it's uh, it's cool. I'm glad we had this discussion because again, you might have again like, as soon as you mentioned the eye test, I'm like, ooh, Pete, like you got the <laughs> you got like the, the you got like you got my attention, man. I really because yeah. again, yeah. I don't I don't look for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I need to start looking for that because again, you can tell when someone's tense. You just look at their hands if they're gripping the bat a little harder. If they're keep maybe their, their arms are normally out, they're keeping their arms in, tucked in. Just they're like right. trying to press a little bit, stuff like that, little things like that. Like I know right. I can look for that, but. I don't have the eye that someone that's played ball before that's been doing this a lot longer than me has. So I understand my weaknesses. It is what it <laughs> is though. It's like, I'm not perfect. I just, I just pretend to be. No, but, uh, all
1: right. so those, are two, those,
0: are, so those were the two guys you were in on. Yeah. That means, that, that means there's two that you're out on.
1: Yeah. And these can go a little bit quicker. Um,
0: oh, dude, I'm good. I told yeah. you I'd talk for days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So next hitter uh, that I'm, or the hitter that I'm out on would be Jonathan Villar, and I know this is a yeah he's a touchy subject with a lot of people in roto leagues. Um, a lot of people in or are in on him. A lot of people are out on him. Um, and at at a ADP of 43, I am absolutely out on Jonathan Villar, uh, especially for this season. If it's a shortened season, um, stolen bases are going to be down around the entire league, and that's not going to be. My top priority uh, when drafting, and so taking a guy at an ADP of forty-three within the top fifty, and he's only contributing to probably one category—that's um, just you know that's not for me. Um, I I understand the optimism with with Belar um, with his opportunity to hit twenty-plus home runs, but I just don't see that happening this season, um, even with the fences being moved in uh, in Miami. I mean, he's got a 50.8% ground ball rate, 19 and a half fly ball rate. I can't expect any player that hits the ball at 87 with an 87 mile an hour average exit velocity to hit 20 plus home runs with a 50% ground ball rate. I just don't see that coming to fruition in 2020 or 2021. Last year, he had a season very, very close, closely related to what he put up in 2016, um, which was consequently the last season that he had I think over 500 plate appearances uh, where he, you know, he played a full season, um, didn't have anyone in front of him, but I'm just not buying into the, the lack of batted ball skills. Um, the batted ball profile does scare me. He's kind of like, he's just along the same lines. He's in the same basket with, with Malik Smith. Um, and Villar is just being drafted a, a substantially higher because of that potential home run upside. And I just don't see it. he does have some contact skills, um, but I, and he's been hitting – he hit the ball harder last year than he has, I think, throughout his entire career, but it's been on the ground. So the OBP may still be there. He may still get the stolen bases, but in a shortened season, I mean, I, the home run potential, I just don't see it coming from Villar and I, I do not like him at an ADP of 43. He's not a top 50 player, in my opinion. Um, a top 50 player should fill two categories, if not three. Um in, in Roto Leagues, and he's – I just – I'd stayed away this year.
0: I completely agree. I mean, I remember, like, literally November when drafts were opening up, October, November, whenever they were. He was, like, a late second, early third-round pick at one point before he got traded – or, sorry, before he got released – then ADP somewhat corrected. And then now he's just still a little overpriced. And a lot of people don't even like a lot of people don't realize. And this one, this isn't, this isn't deeply analytical at all. Just go look at his home run totals, home and home and away last year, two thirds of yep. his home runs were all, were, were at home. Yep. And that was in Camden yards. So
1: exactly. He was, yep. Uh, he was just, his, his statistics were being inflated, not the stolen bases per se, no. but his home run total, uh-huh. absolutely inflated by Camden. And, for some reason, Miami moving the fences in, like five, seven feet or whatever it was, give people the same impression that he's going to repeat what he did. Yeah, uh, in Camden, and it's just it's at the rate he hits the ball on the ground, it's I don't see it happening.
0: And and that's and people just need to realize like, um, I forgot what I was gonna say about it. People, I was gonna say people need to realize something about it, but. Oh um about the splits too that he it wasn't like oh well he had a lot more bats at home no i think he had pretty much 50/50 50, 50 bats home and away if i remember I'm, I'm not looking at the stats i just remember looking into him a lot and it was like pretty much everything looked identical from like home and away except for the home runs there was a huge difference in that in the output so that's why it's like i'm with you 100% with the uh he might be okay with batting average but the problem is is you're you're hoping he's okay yeah. And again, the top fifty picks shouldn't you shouldn't be hoping he's okay at one of the things that you are pretty much drafting him for. So, completely right. with you. Again, we agree on two thirds. Like I said, it's like two and a half out of three so far. So, hit me with your last one. Come on.
1: <laughs> All right. So I'll throw a pitcher in there. Uh There it just, is. There it just is. Just for that, to be streamer.
0: Yeah, Michael. But, uh,
1: yeah. So. So this is kind of might be an unpopular opinion, but pitcher that I'm out on for this season and, and maybe even for 2021 if it season gets delayed still is Dinnelson Lamette. And don't get me wrong, I like Lamette. Like everyone loves strikeout upside. I love the shiny curveball that he throws. It's absolutely dominant when he's on, but I fear that he is still going to be a one pitch pitcher and he had uh, he pitched in 2017 and then had uh, had an injury in 2018 came back in 2019 uh, he lowered his walk rate which was which is a positive but um, I have troubles putting any stock into pitchers especially you know first or second year pitchers that um, that have basically lived and died on one pitch and we all know how that goes you're either, if you don't develop that second or third pitch, you're not going to be in the rotation for very long. And Lamette could be one of those candidates, a dark horse candidate to move to the bullpen eventually. Um, And that's that's probably an extremely unpopular uh, opinion. And that's just where I see him to be best fit, um, given especially if Kirby Yates were to be dealt this season. Um, San Diego is taking on a couple of really good, uh, I mean, top-notch uh, pitching prospects in Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino. So, um, you know, if Lamette cannot control his walk rate and, you know, he gives up too too many fly balls at the ball's juice and uh, if his curveball's not on and if he doesn't have any other pitches to supplement it, uh, he's not going to last very long in the games that he pitches. Even though that strikeout, the strikeout upside is very enticing. I just, I wouldn't take him at an ADP. Uh, of 112 right now. That's too pricey for me. Um, K side' enti- K upside is enticing, but I mean, guys going right after him that I would rather take Lance Lynn, Zach Gallen, Julio Urias, Max Freed, and even Matt Boyd. Um, all of those pitchers seem to have a higher floor in my opinion. And I just I expect growing pains um, with Lamette. He's not just going to live on a curveball and post the exact same statistics that he did in 2019. Um, If he doesn't develop another pitch, hitters are going to catch on. And I just don't think he's going to return what people are drafting him at, at 112. I would rather have, I would rather have Lynn, Gallen, and Urias, free. I mean, all those guys that I mentioned, I I would rather have all of them, um, you know, a few picks later, up to a round later than than Lamette.
0: I'm I'm with you. The only one, Urias, only worries me. I guess he doesn't worry me now because there's no innings limit to worry about. Right. Initially, he would have worried me, but yep. I was all about Lamette, like everybody else in the beginning of the All Season. Now yep. I'm way me closer too. to my I'm way closer in my thoughts with you because he I thought he would I I really did think he was going to be closer to pick 200 than 100. That was the that was the enticing thing, but he gained so much helium that. It put him out – it priced him out for me. I'm like, I have no – I have no shares. I have no shares because he's way too priced out. And you know what? If you're in a dynasty league, sell now. Sell hot. Yeah. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. Could he get better? Sure, I agree. He could. Yeah. But we're looking at a guy with one elite pitch. That's yeah. not going to do it. I mean, you you harped on it. I'm not going to do it as well. But it's, it is what it is. That is essentially the issue. And yeah. it's just there's not much – there's no – there's no return on investment, real no really no real potential for return on investment like you were mentioning, and that's that's big for me. I, I try to draft value, and I still don't understand, dude. Lance Lynn, I've been trying to get him drafted. I've been drafting him. Like, like people need to like I don't understand what, what what it is about him. He needs he has SP two upside. You can as your SP three. There's literally no downside. Talk about talk about return on investment. That's your yep. guy, and yep. you can get him. You can get him after. Like yes, please every time. So, yeah, Lance Lynn's the big one. I, I can't get yep. enough Lance Lynn in my life.
1: Kluber's Kluger, the same same situation as Lance Lynn, too. I mean, he has the injury history that everyone is, is rightfully so uh, worried about. But, I mean, the numbers that he's put up in his career are just uh, – they're phenomenal. I mean, he hasn't had – like his last season that he threw was maybe his worst season. And, I mean, that wasn't even that poor of a season. So – Texas is one of those situations where if you've got a rotation, you know, Lance Lynn, um, Corey Kluber, and I'm failing to remember there. Mike Minor? Yeah, Mike Miner. You've got those big three, um, you know, leading your rotation. That's one of those situations in a shortened season that I could see all of those guys, you know, back-to-back-to-back to back to back games going seven innings and completing the games um, with Texas not having that strong of a bullpen. Kind oh boy later in the innings so i think lynn should even be bumped up further and kluber as well maybe even minor um so the, those are the type of things you have to look at with a shortened season is how are these teams going to use uh the pitchers uh, best fit for their skill sets
0: which is which is what makes me wonder. Like, first off, we need more, obviously, more information. We don't know what the idea is if there's going to be a season. Obviously, we're all hoping and holding out hope for that. My thing is, is there's two ways to look at it. These guys that have innings limits, they gain lim- they gain, they gain value. Sure, they might, but are we sure they do? Because don't wouldn't you want guys that are safer? Because now you have less time to make up the ratios and less time to make up some of these stats that you might lose shooting for the upside. So there's give and take, just like anything else. You have to balance it appropriately. You don't want to. You don't want to go into your season with, oh, Chris Sale, terrible. Yeah, you don't. You don't do that. Um, Blake Snell, Lizardo, McCullers. You, you don't want those being your top three. You want one. You want one, maybe two of those. But you definitely, if you take Blake Snell, you definitely want like a Lance Lynn and a Corey Kluber. <laughs> if you can make all three of those happen, it's perfect because now you have your upside and you have your floor. I think that's the type of thing that. That would have been ideal before this, but I guess that's my point is, you still want to balance out risk and reward. You don't want to just go all oh all these all these guys that were supposed to pitch 150 or less now they're they're all aces. No, they right. still have they still have they still carry a level of uh, of um, potential blow uh, like a potential blow up. At least I'm sick. I'm sure it's a better word, but it's getting close to midnight. My time it's midnight <laughs> my time, so it's sleepy K is about to hit some get some Zs. you know. But um, in all seriousness, Corey, I appreciate you joining me, man. Remind everybody because I've already told them like five times where can I find you and all that good stuff, your work, all that.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Corey C O R Y, the number five uh, O T T. And I write for SB Streamer and now write for Prospects365. So you can check my work out there.
0: Definitely, man. And it's been a pleasure, man. This was a lot of fun. all If you include the time on and off the air, it's been an hour and a half. Hi. Uh your fiance is oh. making your is making a last minute appearance on the way out, so that's cool. She's more than <laughs> um, welcome on the podcast, man. It's a it's a family friendly podcast. My kids were on. Oh, so. awesome. <laughs> well, George, George, my co-host, his kids kid, his kid came on. So it's just becoming one of those, man. It is what it is. It's a crazy times we live in, crazy circumstances. Let's have some fun. But in all seriousness, though, man, I do appreciate you uh, joining me. Guys, on your way out of this podcast, if you don't mind dropping a five-star rating review, greatly appreciate it. Check out all things Bases Loaded on Twitter at basesloadedfbn or uh, network.com And again, we just appreciate listening, and we'll talk to you soon.